Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Leader and Kentucky.com. On this podcast, you're going to get two for the price of one. We're going to talk UK volleyball, a big week for Kentucky volleyball as they take on arch rival Louisville on Wednesday. And then on Sunday, they take on Nebraska. And then in the current rankings, in the current volleyball rankings, Nebraska is number two in the country. Louisville is number three in the country. And Kentucky is fresh off of playing Wisconsin over the weekend, uh, losing a three-setter to Wisconsin, the defending NCAA champs. So big week for Craig Skinner. We're also going to talk UK basketball recruiting as the basketball, the, uh, period when the coaches can go out and make visits and see players just started. We're going to do both of those things with Cam Drummond, my colleague at the Herald Leader, who covers both UK volleyball and UK basketball recruiting. Cam covers pretty much everything on UK athletics uh, when you get right down to it. Uh, I talked to, to Cam about the UK volleyball the week, and we also talked a lot about UK basketball recruiting. John Calipari on the road, who he's going, who he has gone to see, who he is going to see, and what might be coming up as far as UK basketball recruiting news. So, Without any further ado, let's get right to it. My conversation with Cameron Drummond of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my colleague at the and friend at the Herald Leader, Cameron Drummond. Cam, how's it going? Doing great. I appreciate you adding the qualifier about me being a friend as well in there. That makes me feel a little bit better about things. Well, that's good. Yeah, when I said colleague, in fact, you know, I think I probably should say, I think I've known you long enough, hopefully, that we're friends now. That you're relatively new, but not not totally new. How, how, long, how long have you been uh, gainfully employed at the Herald Leader now? Uh, just over a year now, which is okay. both terrifying and extremely exciting. But yeah, I think I, I joined in late July of 2021. So we're coming up on uh, 14 months now, which is crazy wow. to think about. Wow. Congratulations. I'm passing the year mark. Um, okay. Uh, Cam is, uh, has filled a lot of roles, done a lot of different things. He's covered a lot of volleyball. We're going to talk about volleyball. And here just recently, he's taken over the UK basketball recruiting beat, which we will talk about recruiting. Uh in this podcast as well. But first, we're going to talk volleyball because Kentucky volleyball has a big match coming up Wednesday night against Arch Rival Louisville. They had a big match over the weekend against Wisconsin. Uh, and then they've got Nebraska, another big match uh, coming up next, this coming weekend. Uh, let's backtrack first to the Wisconsin match, Cam. Uh, Wisconsin beat Kentucky in three sets, but they were closely competitive sets. What about the start that this Kentucky volleyball team has gotten off to so far? Yeah, it's been quite interesting because obviously they, they had the season last year where they were defending NCAA champions, a, a fifth straight SEC title or, or share at, le- at least a share, excuse me, of the SEC title that they achieved last year. Then a, a second round tournament loss to Illinois. Uh, but then Kentucky lost a significant amount this offseason. You know, two of the real linchpins, even going back to that team in 2020, I guess really 2021, that went, that won the NCAA tournament. You're, you're looking at Ali Stumler and Maddie Skinner, two tremendous players that Kentucky have had to replace this offseason. Stumler lost due to graduation. Skinner transferring back home to Texas, which is a, a volleyball power in their own right. So there were some unanswered questions about this Kentucky team coming into this season. It, I mean, you still had high-level talent like Ajani T. And, and young, really exciting players like an Eleanor Bevan and an Emma Grome coming back. But, you know, you were still not sure maybe where a lot of the offensive firepower was going to come from for this Kentucky team. And I think the start to the season has reflected that a bit. They're 5-2 and two so far this season going into the Louisville match. 
They lost their home opener against Marquette in five sets. They had a great tournament uh, the opening weekend of September when they went to Omaha, rattled off three straight wins against Northern Iowa, Creighton, and Southern California, broke a long losing streak to Creighton, won that kind of, uh, you know, multiple team event for the first time in its existence. But then they come back, as you mentioned, last Friday night and and lost in three sets to Wisconsin, who are the defending NCAA champions from last season. Uh, And as we were talking about for a second off air, Wisconsin is, is the best defensive volleyball team I've seen in person. They were just flying around the TerraFlex playing surface at Memorial Coliseum, incredibly good at improvising when you know there's a loose ball they were seemingly tracking down everything that kentucky's hitters were were putting onto the court um so it's been a a bit of a mixed bag for kentucky to start this season but i think that's more just a reflection of what craig skinner's team lost from last year and just the early growing pains that come with both trying to elevate certain players into more of a higher profile offensive role while also playing incredibly good volleyball teams at the same time. I mean, this this stretch they have now, including the Wisconsin match with Louisville on Wednesday night, Nebraska on Sunday afternoon, those are, you know, three of the top five, six teams in the country. So you can be a very good volleyball team in your own right and easily lose all three of those matches, which is a distinct problem. Yeah, well, it was close. I mean, they lost in straight sets, but it was, I mean, they were close games. And what I saw, as I was telling you, I got to see a little bit of it when I was in my layover in the Charlotte airport on my way to Florida. Uh, How did you think Kentucky, you talk about how, especially defensively, uh, how well Wisconsin played. What about overall, how did you think Kentucky played? There were just a, a few too many mistakes against you know a top level team like a Wisconsin. There were just too many attacking errors where Kentucky was was hitting the ball straight out without forcing Wisconsin to play any of that defense. There were a bit too many service errors as well. Uh, Kentucky, I think, had a 23.1% hitting percentage, which I believe is the lowest mark they had dating back all the way to that NCAA tournament loss against Illinois last season. Right. So just a few things that, you know, kind of need to be, you know, worked out and, and ironed out. After the match, Craig Skinner was, was particularly insightful when speaking to the media, talking about how he thought the practice the Wednesday before the match was just mediocre. He called it unacceptable from Kentucky's standpoint to, to not be as good in practice as he expects them to be so you know it really was just kind of one of those things where they played Kentucky close in in two of the three sets really Kentucky should have won the second set had multiple you know leads of four six points that they let slip um and just way too many mistakes against you know a top level team like Wisconsin that Kentucky can get get away with in some of these non-conference matches against lesser opponents but this stretch now of Wisconsin Louisville Nebraska you know, you're going to have to play your top-level volleyball with very minimal mistakes in order to, to win sets, let alone win a match. And Kentucky was just too sloppy from the service line and not effective enough when trying to kill off points in rallies uh, to, to really earn a set or, or the match in general. And, and as you mentioned, Louisville coming in on Wednesday night, uh, Louisville really good last year. I think they were the number one seed in the tournament, ended up losing in the Final Four. Uh, this Louisville team, obviously really good again uh uh, this year, what do we know about uh, Louisville volleyball for for the twenty twenty two season? Yeah, as you hinted at there, they were they were undefeated last year, even you know all the way until when they lost in the in the final four. So that was a the best run in Louisville history. I believe that was the first time they made the final four in history. And this Louisville team is is good again this year. They're seven and one so far. The only loss on their schedule was a home match against Ohio State, but they just wrapped up uh, hosting a home tournament last weekend. Had a straight sets win over Purdue, a straight sets win over Lipscomb. You know, they have some pretty good feathers in their cap already this season, beating the other in-state volleyball power in straight sets. They won at Western Kentucky 
uh, on, I think, the opening midweek of the season. So another, you know, really good volleyball team that Dana Buskin Kelly has at Louisville. And last year's match between these teams, these two teams was epic as well. They went five sets in Louisville uh, with Louisville winning the match. Craig Skinner's got a pretty good record historically since he's come to Kentucky against Louisville. I believe he's got a nine and four mark against the Cardinals. But but every time this these two teams meet, obviously, uh, you know, super intense rivalry, a match that both teams want to win. And a match that a lot of people will be able to just watch around the country as well because it's been elevated from an ESPN broadcast to either ESPN or ESPN broadcast. The designation for it hasn't been announced yet. But regardless, there's going to be some real national exposure for this match coming up on Wednesday night. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit there. So yeah, uh, elevated. Uh, so yeah, be a uh, be a lot of good exposure uh, for both programs on Wednesday. Then it doesn't get any easier after that with Nebraska coming in. Uh, you were telling me before before we got started, the rankings just came out. Where where are Nebraska and Louisville in the rankings? Yeah. So as I was mentioning, th- these are going to be some top level opponents that Kentucky is going to have to face. In the, in the recent rankings that came out just this afternoon, on Monday afternoon, Louisville checked in at number three and Nebraska checked in at number two in the country. Kentucky moved up one spot this past week from 14 to 13. But and, and going back to Wisconsin as well, Wisconsin moved up from six to four after they beat Kentucky. So when this is all said and done by the end of this week, Kentucky will have played three out of four matches against the number two, number three and number four teams in the country. And it really doesn't get much more difficult than that to start the season. Right. And those, uh, all three of those teams were in the final four last year, right? Yeah, those are three of the four Final Four teams from last year. And, and even talking to Craig Skinner, Kentucky's volleyball coach, before the season started, you know, it, it's one of those things where you almost make the deal with the devil, right? Like, you know, you're going to get high quality non-conference matches to start the season that can really make or break your RPI and, and give you a good measuring stick for where your team might be. But if you're in the position of a Kentucky, again, where you may be still iring out some new players and some new roles, you have the you run the risk of losing, you know, two of those three matches or potentially all three of those matches. But, you know, Scheduling difficult isn't something that Kentucky Volleyball has shied away from at all in recent years and probably won't shy away from again into the future. But this is the kind of experience you really can't replicate in matches or even get against some of those lesser SEC opponents. So it's one of those things where Kentucky is taking the risk playing those high-quality non-conference teams now with an eye toward the postseason and figuring things out now that will work in November and December when that comes around. So okay, so from a scheduling perspective, Wednesday night's match. What time is it? It's a seven o'clock start inside Memorial Coliseum. Okay, and then Nebraska's on Sunday, correct? Two o'clock. A three o'clock start inside three Memorial o'clock. on Sunday. Okay, yeah, three o'clock. Oh, well, yeah, I'm looking at Nebraska's schedule. They got listed as two, but that would be Central Time. Now that that match is supposed to be on ESPNU, right? Yeah, so this is, a, again, a run of, of really high exposure matches, uh, you know, with, with national TV audiences getting to tune in some high-quality volleyball here in the middle of September. Okay, before we switch gears and start about basketball recruiting, what about, is, you talked about some new players uh, having to, you know, change some roles after what they lost from last year. Anybody in particular or one or two players on Kentucky Volleyball that, that have impressed you so far? Yeah, I think that, you know, 
three three players I would like to single out just as, as you know top performers so far the season and maybe some new faces to you know casual Kentucky volleyball fans. One of them would be Adana Rollins, who is a fifth year player. She's spent time at two Big Ten schools before coming to Kentucky. She started at Minnesota, then went to Penn State. Now she's at Kentucky, and she's been a really strong presence. She came flying out of the gate in that opening match. They lost to Marquette, led the team in kills. Has had some some really strong performances, you know, thus far. She's if you look at total kills on the team, she's second with 83. She's also second on the team in kills per set. She leads the team in total attacks. So she's been the player, you know, statistically featured the most so far in terms of trying to get those kills and end points. And she's, you know, offered a very experienced, very veteran presence, you know, someone who's been at two big volleyball schools before who's kind of been there and done that. Reagan Rutherford is another player who stepped up as a returner into a, an increased offensive role. She's right up there at the top of the offensive statistical categories with Rollins. Rutherford leads Kentucky in kills per set with nearly four. She leads the team in total kills with 95. So another player that's really taken that next step to make up for the production that was lost with the graduation of Stumler and the transfer of Skinner. And defensively, Elise Getzinger has really rounded in form the last couple matches, being a big presence at the net, getting some blocks, getting a lot of energy plays and that's something that you really can't you know account enough for in volleyball just changing the momentum of matches when you get a big block or you know cap off a rally with a kill or something like that so yeah so a big 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 week for kentucky volleyball volleyball as we mentioned louisville on wednesday seven o'clock uh at memorial coliseum if you can't make it to memorial you say the game the match could be on either espn or espn2 it hasn't been decided yet is that right yeah, that's correct. That should be coming out in the next day or so, but it'll be on, on either one of those two programming networks. And then on Sunday, uh, Nebraska at Memorial Coliseum, that's a 3 o'clock start. If you can't make it to Memorial, that one's on ESPNU, and Cam will be all over that covering all the Kentucky volleyball this week, so look for that. And after the break, though, we're going to talk some U.K. basketball recruiting with Cam right after this. Okay, back here with Cameron Drummond of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Cam, uh, UK ba- you're on the UK basketball recruiting beat, a very popular beat, always a lot of interest in UK basketball recruiting. And this is the time when it really starts heating up, right, where the coaches can go out and make visits and so forth. Uh, what do we know so far about uh, what John Calipari has been up to? Yeah, so basically going back to last Friday, the NCAA Division I men's basketball recruiting calendar shifted from what's known as a quiet period to a recruiting period. And basically what that means is during a quiet period, you can have visits to your campus, but you know coaches and staff members can't go to off-campus recruiting events. So you can't go and doing in-home at a kid's house. You can't go to a kid's high school. Whereas during a recruiting period, everything is basically on the table. You can have unofficial visits, you can have official visits, and you also, as a coach, staff can go to you know wherever to watch a kid playing an open gym or you know visit you know in home or something like that and so once the period started last friday obviously john calipari you know his entire fleet of, uh, of assistant coaches fanned out across the country and it really gives you insight into kind of who the priorities are in you know class of 23 class of 2024 and even beyond and so really to no one's great surprise Last Friday, when this period began, Kentucky started in the Northeast and specifically in New Jersey to visit both Aaron Bradshaw and DJ Wagner, the two prize recruits, you know, coming up in in the class of 2023, two guys who play together at Camden High School in New Jersey, 
two players who also play with the same EYBL program with New Jersey Scholars, and two players who, in certain circles, are viewed kind of as a package deal as well, where maybe if you're getting a Wagner, Bradshaw will come, or vice versa. Um, and so that's where Kentucky's you know recruiting base started last week on Friday with those New Jersey stops. There's been some some moments as well where we've seen players announcing that Kentucky will likely be in for visits this week. Right now, we're recording on a Monday afternoon. Kentucky has hit North Texas super hard. That's really been the focus. Uh, Kentucky is going to be in to see three players today in the North Texas region. One of them is a class of 2024 shooting guard, Dink Pate. Another one is a class of 2023 power forward in Ron Holland, who's been a Kentucky target for a long time now. It's really between Kentucky, Texas, Arkansas, UCLA, and the G League for him. Kentucky trying to swoop in late after Arkansas has been viewed as the leader for a little while in that recruitment. Uh, and lastly, Kentucky's also making time today on Monday to visit another class of 2024 player in shooting guard Trey Johnson, who has a couple ties to former Kentucky guard Tyrese Maxey. And, and UK has really put on the full court press for this North Texas recruiting blitz on Monday as well. It's got Kalapari. Chin Coleman, KT Turner, the newest assistant coach for Kentucky, who has some really strong Texas recruiting ties. They've been in on all the visits this Monday. And there's also, as I mentioned, some more coming up this week. But that's really the, the key to what we need to know as the recruiting period heats up for Kentucky here. Speaking of Texas, you're a Texas guy. You're from Texas. Uh, how have you seen Texas basketball uh, progress or improve as far as prospects goes in high school, uh, you know, from over the years from your time down there? You know, it's funny. You can almost parallel that to maybe looking at, you know, Texas being a, a state where everyone prizes football recruiting, right? right? But now you're seeing at other states around the country, you know, California, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, wherever, they're producing football recruits at such a high clip as well. It's almost the same concept with basketball, just because, you know, first off, the state is so large, there's so much interest in the sport, but also the growth of the shoe circuits and, you know, travel ball programs. And there's just, frankly, a lot of really nice facilities in Texas where you look at, you know, sports plexes and, and multi-court arrangements. Like, I remember growing up, you know, I don't want to date myself too badly here, but I graduated high school. And the layout of, you know, high school football, excuse me, high school basketball in Texas around then was, you know, a couple good players. You've got your power programs, but, you know, nothing super flashier that really jumped off the page a ton. Whereas now five stars, four stars are, are the regular in Texas. You know, you, you look at a coach like Chris Beard at Texas, he could probably amass a really solid roster that would contend for elite eights and final fours just by keeping, you know, players in state, you know, out of high school. You know, there's, you know, Several really good travel ball programs out of the state as well. Drive Nation always performs super well on the EYBL circuit. But no, yeah, it's, it's really changed leaps and bounds just in the last five to ten years. And obviously the fact that, you know, John Calipari has gone out this offseason and gotten the head coach that has specific recruiting ties to Texas shows you how much people on a national level really value the talent coming out of that state. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Kentucky has gotten some good players out of Texas in the past. Obviously, Julius Randle, uh, the Harrison Twins. This year's team, you got uh, Damian Collins uh, from Texas. They've gotten some others as well over the years. But yeah, I admit, by just by going out and hiring KT Turner as all those Texas ties, gives you a good indication that Cal feels like that he can, that there are really good players from the, from Texas in that area and, and that he can do well recruiting there. Uh, back to Wagner and Bradshaw. Do we have any idea, any inkling about when those guys will be ready to make some sort of public announcement about what their pl plans are? It's all it's all still under the iron curtain, John. Trust me. If I if I knew this, I'd be making a lot more. 
now. Um, but, but the funny thing is you should look at, you look at the progression of their recruitment. You know, really the, the next shoe waiting to drop with DJ Wagner is just will he visit Louisville or not? That's, you know, kind of just been the, the thought the last few weeks and months is will he even schedule the official visit to go see the Cardinals program? You look at Bradshaw, there was a lot of, of smoke in the air about Bradshaw possibly committing in late June, early July, likely to Kentucky, but he's since back off of that. He's given a couple of interviews where he's explained that maybe he thought he was rushing into things, wanted to take a step back and, you know, take his time. Uh, but obviously time is still ticking for them as well as class of 2023 prospects. They haven't begun their high school seasons yet in New Jersey, but, you know, only they know if they want to get this, you know, recruitment sorted during the season, before the season, if they want to leave it all the way until after the season. Um, but still, you know, nothing concrete in terms of a timeline for them really is just in wait and see mode, which is obviously why Kentucky would take the effort to prioritize them right at the start, because Kentucky wants to make that first impression and that most significant impression as well. Yeah. What, what about Ron Holland? Same with him. Yeah, Holland's an interesting case just because, uh, as I mentioned when I was explaining, uh, Arkansas has kind of been looked at as the perceived leader for Ron Holland for a little while now. They He goes to a high school called Duncanville High School in Texas, obviously super talented player. Arkansas has an incoming freshman guard this year that was one of Holland's teammates at Duncanville. He's given a couple interviews explaining how you know he's got the full court press on from his former teammate and to go to Arkansas. And Arkansas has been, been long been, been viewed as, as the slight leader in that recruitment. But he just wrapped up his final official visit as well. He went to Texas this past weekend. Uh, obviously, I had nothing but, but nice things to say about what Chris Beard showed him around in Austin. But I don't believe Holland plans to take any more official visits either. So kind of what he's seen is what he will see. And it'll come down to between Arkansas, Kentucky, Texas. UCLA is, is probably on the periphery. I wouldn't expect that to occur. But I've also heard that the G League Ignite program is, is something that is of interest to him as well. Um, and, and at the same time as well, you, you don't really have any idea what's going on in his head, right? Every recruitment such an individual decision. But there is still precedent for Kentucky maybe taking a player who you saw another SEC school was in the lead for coming in at the last minute and securing that commitment. And I'm alluding to Justin Edwards, who for a while was thought to be going to Tennessee and was a Tennessee lean and everything. And then all of a sudden, Kentucky puts on the full court press last April. And lo and behold, Edwards is right now the centerpiece of that 2023 recruiting class. So it remains to be seen if Holland will be joining him or not. But Kentucky's definitely putting on a, a strong effort as a, a late push here with all the coaches they've been sending to North Texas uh, this afternoon. Uh, yeah, I've been in, and if uh, I've been reading your, you have live updates uh, posts about the, the Kentucky basketball recruiting, what's going on here with the start of this period, and, and uh, on Kentucky.com, I encourage everybody to go check that out. And, and in reading through that, one guy who interests me is another Texas guy, a 2024 guy, and Trey Johnson, shooting guard. Uh, what do we know about him? So I actually had the chance when I was up in Chicago at the Under Armour Next Elite 24 event back at the start of August to, to watch, you know, a ton of highly talented recruits come, come in from around the country and, and do some scrimmages playing an all-star game. Trey Johnson was, was part of that. And Trey Johnson was one of the silkiest players that I've ever, you know, seen, you know, at this age as all the fundamentals is almost looks like he glides across the court. 
you know, when he plays. So a super talented player, obviously kind of backed up by all of his recruiting metrics as well. He's right now the number three player in the class of 2024. When you look at the 24 seven sports composite, you know, five star, I think his number percentile is like 99.99. Um, so, you know, he, he's got the goods there as well. But what's actually interesting is when you look at his offer list, you know, you know, you have a lot of the in-state schools that would be kind of native to North Texas, a Baylor, a Texas in Arkansas, you know, just that regional thing. But you also have a lot of the blue blood programs as well. You know, your North Carolinas, your Kentucky, your Kansases, your Dukes. But his main recruiting contact at Duke is actually the former um, UK staff member, Jay Lucas. So it kind of remains to be seen if that will, you know, if that's one of those things where you point back to that commitment happening, maybe Jay Lucas, you know, leaving Kentucky is something that. You can point back to as you know being being a missed opportunity for the cats there, but you know a super silky player, six five, one eighty shooting guard, has all the fundamentals, has all the handles. I know when the the, the latest class of twenty twenty four recruiting rankings come out here, I believe later this month, he's in contention to become the number one player in the twenty four class. You know against the likes of Nas Cunningham and others, uh, but you know a fundamentally sound player, really good shooter. Uh, and, you know, kind of remains to be seen. His recruitment still in the incredibly early stages. Um, he's had a couple, you know, official visits scheduled. Some of the hometown schools will get him first. I think Texas gets him in late September. I think Baylor gets him in early October. Uh, but still a long way to go for Trey Johnson. Well, okay, now tell, Camp, tell, what, what should we be looking for uh, coming up? I mean, recruiting uh, and, and your coverage of recruiting on Kentucky.com and in the next Cats blog. Is there anything in particular that uh, the listeners need to be looking for? Yeah, I just think just continuing to pay attention to see where the Kentucky coaching staff is devoting their time. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, offer a kid a scholarship or, you know, do the things where there's rumored interest between a school and a player or a player in school. But nothing really tells you what the priority is quite like Calipari, Orlando Antigua, you know, Chin Coleman, all these assistant coaches actually going and doing the in person. So you look at, you know, a lot of players that Kentucky has visited or has scheduled to visit this coming week, you know, maybe don't have scholarship offers yet. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier Dink Pate as a, as a North Texas guard that Kentucky's visiting. He doesn't have a scholarship offer yet. You look at some guys at overtime elite, like a Nas Cunningham, who, you know, can still play basketball despite, you know, being as part of that overtime elite program. He doesn't have a Kentucky scholarship offer yet. Uh, a player like Ace Bradley, who's a five-star small forward in the class of 2024, also doesn't have a Kentucky offer yet, yet Kentucky's making the effort to go visit him. So sometimes the two things, you know, don't necessarily correlate. So, you know, just because a player has an offer doesn't mean he really is on Kentucky's radar or big board. Just because he does have an offer doesn't mean the same thing. Uh, And also just, you know, keeping it focused on kind of regions as well. You know, when Calipari and the coaching staff goes to North Texas, they're going to knock out two, three, four players. Same thing in the Northeast. You know, there's, there's a class of 2024, potential class of 2023 reclassification candidate in Ian Jackson, who plays in New York City, who Kentucky's going to stop by and, and speak to and visit, you know, because they're in the area already visiting Wagner and Bradshaw. So some of these things are born out of convenience. Another, you can really, you know, tell that Kentucky is taking the time to prioritize a player because of what they think he could be or, or their interest level in him. So just kind of reading between the tea leaves as best you can and, and making your recruiting hopes and wishes from that. 
Yeah, they have, yeah, excellent point. Exactly. Okay, Cam, before I let you go, I got to ask you about one more thing because Kentucky football has two home games coming up uh, with uh, uh, Youngstown State on Saturday and then Northern Illinois after that. At the first home game, you did a story, which I thought was an interesting story about the new concession offerings at uh, Kroger Field. I, I urge everybody to go find that story and check it out on Kentucky.com. But if you, Cam, if you were a Kentucky fan going to the game on Saturday against Youngstown State. Is there one thing in particular new that you would say, hey, you got to try this out? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. That was the most fun I've had writing and reporting a story in years, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but no, 100%, I would recommend going to the Empanada Queen. Uh, it's in the second level of Kroger Field. I forget what the exact section is behind it. If you go to that story on Kentucky.com, it's got specific locations, menu items, menu prices, you know, really everything, some photos as well. But the empanada stand was phenomenal. You know, just big, juicy empanadas. You got the crispy, you know, pastry dough on the outside. Uh, The ones I had were a chicken one and a vegetable one. Bursting with flavor, really easy to carry around as well. They come in these small bags, also inside of a tray, so it's a super convenient, you know, football food carrying method. Comes with kind of a, you know, chipotle sauce that's not too spicy, but just super flavorful. Uh, You know, I'm a huge, you know, kind of international cuisine food type guy as well. So I thought it was really cool that they're, you know, making something like empanadas on offer at Kroger Field, where you're probably thinking more like hamburgers, hot dogs, ice cream, you know, things of the like. Um, But no, that's that was the standout food item by a mile uh pretty affordable as well i think you get two giant ones for ten dollars which is pretty good as far as stadium food goes but no cannot cannot recommend that enough make the make the walk up those like twisty you know circular turnstile thing to the second level get an empanada watch kentucky football i highly recommend it that's great so check that out be sure to check out the story as cam said it tells you where every you know gives you all the information about where you can find the new concession offerings and so forth and check that out check out his recommendation as well check out everything that cam does he does so much for us and the the great thing about cam is he really throws himself into everything he does whether it's about the new soccer uh usl soccer team what they're doing and we'll have we'll talk about that later on uh as they continue to progress and what they're doing and uh, volleyball and now with UK basketball recruiting. So Cam, tell them where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, of course. Please follow me on Twitter uh, at cdrummond97. That's at c-d-r-u-m-m-o-n-d-9-7. You know, always tweeting out updates related to, to really every Kentucky sport, whether it's football, right. men's, women's soccer, volleyball, both of the basketballs, uh, or come follow me and watch me be sad as a Dallas Cowboys fan. Really dealer's choice for you there. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but uh, since you brought that up, yeah, at the end, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a tough time, tough opener for the Cowboys, that's for sure. Uh, really, really could not have gone worse for me, John. I can't explain that enough. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, it's a long season, but it may be a long season for the Cowboys, especially with <laughs> Dak Prescott out. So uh, be sure to follow all of Cam's work on Twitter and on Kentucky.com. Like I say, it's a big week for volleyball with Louisville on Wednesday night and Nebraska on Sunday. we got UK football on Saturday against Youngstown. Cam will be there as well. And then uh, be sure and find it, uh, follow his live updates on Kentucky.com and all the coverage on the next Cats blog as well for UK basketball recruiting. Cam, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Podcast really enjoyed it. Pleasure as always, John. Thanks for having me.
Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks to Cam Drummond. A lot of great information from Cam there about UK volleyball and about UK basketball recruiting. Cam is now the go-to guy on UK basketball recruiting. Ben Roberts has taken over the UK basketball beat, the main beat, and Cam is now doing UK basketball recruiting. So follow him on Twitter. Check him out on Kentucky.com. Look at that next Cats blog. He's also the go-to guy on UK volleyball. Big week for the Cats, as we said. Uh, Cam informed me when we got done that while we were talking – uh, they did designate ESPN will be the mat, will be the uh, network to uh, catch the UK Louisville volleyball match on Wednesday night. So if you can't make it down to Memorial Coliseum, and if you can make it to Memorial Coliseum, be sure and do that. A great atmosphere for UK volleyball. But if you can't make it down there, it will be on ESPN. It'll be on the big ESPN network on Wednesday for that seven o'clock match against Louisville. Uh, so again, check out Cam, all his work on Kentucky.com, the print edition of the Herald Leader, and be sure and follow him on Twitter as well. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. We'll have a Kentucky Youngstown State football preview coming up coming up later in the week. Uh, if you missed it, I had a podcast with Mark Story earlier in the week about uh, the Kentucky Florida reviewing Kentucky Florida and looking ahead to the Youngstown State game as well for uh, Kentucky. That's a twelve o'clock start on Saturday. Uh, thanks to uh, everybody who listens to the podcast. Remember, you can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating review on any of those sites. That really helps get the word out. We really appreciate it. Everybody who supports the podcast, we appreciate everybody who supports the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Thanks again to Cam. Thanks again to everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.